Thank you, Pastor Chuck, for covering that with the kids, and that worked out great because we're actually not going to focus as much on the kindness part of the story. We're going to focus a little bit on the other direction. We'll get there in a moment, but please open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We do have Bibles in the pews. We actually have new Bibles in the pews so that they're now the ESV translation. They'll be the same translation as what I'm reading from. A little bit easier to follow along there. And again, that's Luke chapter 10. And thank you for joining with us today. Rick, great to see you. It's great to see everybody, and please continue to pray for everybody, both within the church, the building here, as well as those who are at home. We continue today to look at the parables of Jesus, short stories of Jesus, the great conversationalist, the one who has all wisdom for daily living and everyday living and eternal living. And we've been seeing Jesus talk about king, the kingdom of God salvation and kingdom living as we've looked at parables for the last few months and we only have a couple weeks left so we're going to finish strong but today we're talking about the parable of the good samaritan now we're talking about a story of love but so many pe people focus on the love and the kindness that they fail to see that this is also a story of hatred a story of pride and a story of arrogance also it's a story of love and pride. It's not just a happy, feel-good story with great thoughts and emotions and, and leave you feeling good. Really, this story's main purpose initially was also to be a story of a wake-up call. A wake-up call to a lawyer. A wake-up call to a religious leader of the day. A master of God's law. And it also serves as a wake-up call to us in our pride to see how do we have eternal life. How do we have salvation? How do we live every day as God would truly want us to live? Now, yes, this is a term, the Good Samaritan, that everybody knows quite well. In fact, the world knows it quite well. And even if you just turn on the news on any given day, a lot of times you're here, the news broadcaster, whether they're a Christian or not, whether they've ever even opened the Bible or not, you might hear them say, a group of Good Samaritans served a person today as there was a rollover accident on Highway 53, and they all rushed out of their trucks to get to the, the truck that was rolled over and pushed it on its side to help him out. I actually saw a video this week. I was looking for an illustration, I saw that. And you see that every day. You see people refer to, oh, wow, what a great good Samaritan that person is over there. But if, they actually ask, if you actually would ask them about the story of the good Samaritan, they might not even know that it comes from the Bible. They might not even know the context of, of why this story was even brought up. So we're not looking completely to the kindness and the love today. We're going to look to the context, and we're going to see what was the purpose of Jesus telling this story. Yes, we can learn a lot about kindness, about how to treat one another with love. But we can also look to ourselves and see that there's supposed to be some conviction here, some judgment here. You see, it's not just a story that we tell our children at night. It's not just a bedtime story or a good idea. This story, this message, this parable carries with it a strong message for us all. Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the commandment, the command which we see in the Good Samaritan. He's a great representative of the Good Samaritan and how he cares for all people without prejudice. But then we also see the total opposite in the, in the priest and in the Levite who walked on the other side and ignored him. It's so easy for us 
to think, what a bad person that was. But then we can also point our fingers at ourselves, too, and think, is that me? Do I do that? Do I not treat all my neighbors as I would want to be treated? Do I truly love God with all my heart, soul, and mind and love my neighbor as I love myself? It sounds good, doesn't it? But can one ever really do that? So the purpose of this story, this parable of Jesus, isn't just to see a good story of a kind gesture of a good Samaritan to somebody in need. It's to look to the others, and it's to look to us too. You see, we're all sinful people. And this, this lawyer, these religious leaders of the day, these masters of God's law, or self-proclaimed, were also sinners. There are sins of, <clears throat> we're all guilty of committing many types of sins. There are sins of omission, things we do not wish to do, or things we do which we should not do. There are sins of commission, things we do which we shouldn't. Got that mixed up. There are sins of the flesh, and of the Spirit, open sins, secret sins, and so-called respectable sins. And a lot of times these religious leaders of the day would think that these were, were more respectable sins. They were okay, because they could legitimize them, justify them in their own heads. It's okay to not love your enemy, they would think. They'd go off one of the Psalms, which preaches that they, they hate the enemies of God. But no, the Old Testament also tells them to care for the strangers. So let's read from Luke 10 before I go further. You see, this psalm isn't just about who is your neighbor, but who are you as a neighbor? Luke 10, verse 25 to 37 starts like this. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. And we already see where well, we're going to begin with number one after the reading of the setting of the story. We're setting the story here. Behold, a lawyer stood up. Up. Now, let me say this lawyer is not a civic lawyer. It's not a courtroom lawyer. It's not somebody who's trying to, well, I guess he would love to put Jesus in jail and even to death, but this wasn't the time yet. But this was a lawyer in the sense that he was master of the law, but it was of God's law. He knew the Old Testament law. And he says that he stood up to put him to the test. So we already know the scene being set. This was not pure motives. This was not good. He's going to ask Jesus a question, but it's only to try and trip him up. And he says to the teacher, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, by itself, that's a great question. That's a question we should ask many people in our own lives today. Do you know how to inherit eternal life? And not just eternal life, but eternal life with God, the creator of heaven and the earth, your creator, God in heaven. And then it says in verse 26, he said to him, now this is Jesus now talking back to the lawyer, the master of God's law here, and he says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And that is so smart, isn't it? Jesus, I think, already knows the scene being set up. He already knows that this lawyer is wanting to try and trip him up, set him up, try and get Jesus to say something that goes against the law that he thinks he knows so well. And Jesus just spins it against him to prove that he already knows the answer he's seeking. And Jesus asked him, what is the written law? How do you read it? In verse 27 he says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. 
do this and you will live. At first, that sounds kind of good. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus just admonish him. Good job. But I think in that, he's also kind of pointing a finger to that man to say, do this and you will live because Jesus knows, as we too should know, and as this leader should know too, that it is impossible for us to ever succeed in doing this 100% to Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to do this. We should. This is part of Christian living. Every day we should be striving to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves. But every day we also fail. And Jesus knows that this lawyer, if he thinks that this is the only way to life, is about to learn something. Because he knows that that lawyer fails too. So he says, go and do this. You have answered correctly. Do this. You will live. And some people have said, well, why didn't Jesus just right here now kind of rebuke him or start teaching him, start converting him, start telling him, no, there is another way. And this one commentator I read just said the pure and simply, there's no good news unless one accepts the bad news. And this man needed to first hear a story. And Jesus is going to tell him a story to help him to understand that he could never fully do this. In fact, that he doesn't do this already in his life. So, this man now continues on. But him desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, but who is my neighbor? Now, one commentator said that this was also him trying to recover from the first question because the first question, he kind of, he bombed, he failed. That plane just went down and dive-bombed and crashed because he thought he was just standing up to ask Jesus a nice question and make the crowd think, oh, that's a good question, when really he was trying to trip up Jesus. And Jesus proved to the crowds this man already knew the answer. He's just trying to trick him. So now this man tries to think of a better question to justify himself. But who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this story. Verse 30. A man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33 now. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Let me stop here briefly and just say, the Jews despised the Samaritans. But look, Jesus chose not to debate with the man, but to instead just share a story to try and penetrate through, through the man's hatred, through the man's preconceived ideas in his head, and show him, look, the priest ignores the person that needs help. The Levite ignores the person that needs help. But then the Samaritan, this person who you would despise and think worthless, sees the person that needs help and cares for him. And he says, but a Samaritan, verse 33, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, <clears throat> Jesus now done with his stories, asked this man, this lawyer, this religious leader, 
Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Wow, that must have burned him up, but it was convicting. It was judgment. It pointed out that him, like a religious leader, like the priest, like the Levite, would ignore that man on the side of the road because of their preconceived ideas of maybe he's not worthy or maybe he's too good for him or, or there's been talk from commentators of what if they, they would go over to talk to that person or check on that person and he was already dead and now they're defiled, they're unclean, and they need to go through a, a um, ceremony to cleanse themselves. There's many excuses that they could come up with to avoid thinking that they were in sin or going against God's word, God's law, because they added to God's law. But before we get into that, let's talk briefly about the setting. Again, number one is the setting of the story. Now, Jesus's earthly ministry was gaining popularity, has these crowds following him, listening to his teachings, and these religious leaders, they don't like it. They don't like it one bit. So they want to do one of two things. They want to either shame him or arrest him and put him to death. And they can't just do that yet, so they're going to start trying to shame him. They're, they're putting this spy in the midst of him. They're putting this lawyer in the midst of him, somebody who knows the laws really well, and this, this lawyer is going to try and trip him up. But you see, Jesus, as we can tell, he knew what was going on. As the guy says, teacher, he asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Such an innocent question. But Jesus knew that this was a wise guy just trying to play wise tricks. And he would spin it back to him and say, what do you think? What do you think? Tell me, what does the law say? What is your interpretation of the law? And he would make him answer. And that leads us to scene number two. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? This man needed to hear what to do to inherit eternal life. Even though he thought he already knew what to do to inherit eternal life, this man probably thought initially, oh, I got him now. I know this. I have recited this ceremony after ceremony. As he quoted Deuteronomy 6, 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And then Leviticus 19, 18, Love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. And the Apostle Paul quotes Moses in Romans 10, 5, saying the man who does these things We'll live by them. But we also know from Romans, Galatians, and other scripture that our works of the flesh can never be what saves us. Because we can never do enough. We will always fail. Jesus himself is the one perfect representation of the Good Samaritan who would never fail. Who would go to the cross and would <clears throat> pay the full price. Go to the full length, full commitment, and do all that was needed. So you see, the real point of this story is that we need to strive to love God and love people. But we need to realize that you never can find eternal life with God through works. We need God's mercy through Jesus. And this lawyer needed God's mercy through Jesus too. You see, Jesus would tell him this story to try and get him to realize that no matter how much you try to do for your neighbor, no, ma no matter how much you think you're doing for your neighbor— it's impossible for you to do this 100% of the time because we are sinners. He's trying to point out to the neighbor, to this 
to this man that he has not been neighborly, like maybe he thought. This man legitimately might have thought, I love God. Yes, I do. I follow all the law. But in following all the law, he also followed all the laws that he added to God's law. Such as thinking they didn't need to love certain types of people, certain groups of people, or enemies of God, or strangers, or thinking they're more important and they don't need to check on people. And now this man should be confessing and repenting to Jesus, but instead he asked Jesus, trying to justify his own actions, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then in the very end, at the end of the story, we see him not even wanting to admit the Samaritan was the one being a good neighbor. He just said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's look at this a little bit. You see, the wording of the lawyer's question is revealing to his spiritual state as he asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Because we know that there's nothing we can do to earn an inheritance. Because your inheritance isn't something that you work for. It's something that you receive based off a relationship with someone. It's not something you can work for. It's something freely given to you, just like eternal life is not a matter of what must I do for God, but what has God done for you? What has God done for you? God has done everything for you when we've done so little for God. Now, here we see Jesus is just a wonderful teacher. He didn't try and score points over the lawyer. He didn't try and, try and debate philosophy with him. He just tells a story. And sometimes we focus so much on the debate that we miss the application. Jesus doesn't miss the application. Jesus points out the impossibility of ever serving every neighbor 100% of the time and instead shows them how the Good Samaritan acts, how we should act, but how we should also just run to God in confession and recognize how much we need him. We can't do anything completely on our own. This brings us to number three. We have the story. Like I said, we're not focusing on the story a lot. We see a man traveling the road to Jericho is assaulted by robbers. The Jericho road was a very dangerous road for lonely travel. It was roughly 17 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho. It was a barren countryside with deep ravines, lots of cover for bandits, for robbers, for thieves to hide and try and rob people. And here we see in this story that unfortunately for him, this was one of those people. And he was left for dead by the roadside. We see that three people walk by him, as Chuck did a great job talking about. We see the priest, we see the Levite, and we see the Samaritan. Now the priest and Levite walk by them, and they just ignored him. Now to put this in everyday circumstances for you, you think of a priest or a pastor or a minister... For a lot of times, you put us way up here, and if, if you saw Pastor Patrick see somebody wreck their car on the side of the highway, and they're bleeding to death on the side of the road, and Pastor Patrick just, ooh, looks the other way and starts running, oh, I, I can't get my hands dirty, or I'm busy, you'd be pretty upset. You should also see the pride in that for yourselves, too, for all of us. We need to be looking out for our neighbors, all people, no matter who they are. But then we see the Samaritan. And the Samaritan had compassion on him and did his utmost to provide help and comfort, even though it could have been a very dangerous circumstance. Here we come to those excuses, right? 
we see many excuses. We see that the, the, the priest, the Levite, could have said, well, maybe the robbers are still here. I shouldn't stop because it might be dangerous. We say that too. Well, maybe I shouldn't stop. Maybe I shouldn't ask to help that person because that might put me in a bad situation. It might be dangerous for me. Or then we see that it might have been unbiblical for them to stop. According to the law, they could be defiled. What if that person's already dead? Well, they don't even know that he's already dead yet. They weren't in check on him. I doubt they even said, hey, you over there, are you dead? No, they just walked away. There's many excuses we use to not show love. But how many excuses do we use to try to find ways to show love? You see, the Jews of this time were very selective in who they cared for. But we can be very selective in who we care for, too, can't we? We think, well, that person's not my neighbor. Or that person's not my neighbor because they're mean to me. Or they're mean to my brother or my sister or my parents. Or they're not deserving of me. We all have our excuses. But we also need to see the truth. We live in a suffering world. And there are people everywhere all around us hurting and wounded. And some of them have parental failures. Not that there's any good excuse, but some of them have parental failures. And this is why they're hurting. This is why they may seem undeserving. Some of them have been left half dead because of their own foolishness, their own choices, their own ways. Some have been damaged by false teachings by Christians or other people as well. And we come across these people every single day, and every single day we have a choice and an option, an opportunity. Will we look the other way, or will we go to them? But what's even more convicting is thinking to ourselves that we're being neighborly when we just choose not to help. That's another excuse people use. People use the excuse of thinking, well, I'm not harming them. I'm not doing any bad, so I'm also, that means I'm doing good, right? I'm just keeping myself, and by me keeping myself over in this little corner over here, I'm not hurting anybody, but keeping to yourself isn't always helping and showing love to people either. We need to push ourselves out of our comfort zones to get into people's lives and truly show them the love of Christ. We live in a suffering world, and these people everywhere are wounded and hurting. They need to see the love of Christ that we know. That we have. We do need to know that ultimately no one can truly love people completely. We're going to fail. We're going to struggle. We're going to let God down. There's going to be days that we don't love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. But praise the Lord God Almighty that he forgives. And we can get right back up on that horse and keep on going. But that doesn't mean we have a free get-out-of-jail card and we shouldn't confess our sins, repent, and say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. And then strive to do better. You see, we focus so much on the kindness of this story and thinking, what what a great kind story. What an inspiring story for everybody to, to do better. But we fail to look to ourselves. We think, what a terrible priest. Wow, what a terrible Levite. But we fail to think, how we too are like that priest. We too are like that Levite. And we too need to open our eyes. So what else can we learn from this? I have a few take-homes for you as we wrap up here. Number one, 
We need to use our legs for godly compassion. Use your legs for godly compassion. That doesn't mean you don't use your hands too, your eyes, your arms, every part of your body. It should work better in my notes to say, use your legs. You see, this Samaritan was using his legs. He was walking from Jericho to, well, Jerusalem to Jericho, and he chose to use his legs, seeing that person that needed help, and he walked over to them. When we see somebody in need, we need to use our legs. Luke 10, 33, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Number two, we need to open our eyes and open our minds to care. Open our eyes and open our minds to care. You see, the good Samaritan immediately saw the need to care, and he did it. Sometimes we come up with so many excuses of why not to show care, why not to love, why not to show kindness, that we talk ourselves out of just doing what we already know from God's word and the conviction, the Holy Spirit within us that we should do. As Jesus put it, when he saw the wounded man, when he saw the wounded man, he saw the man, so he went over to the man. Open our eyes, open our minds, and show care. Number three, have a heart of love. Jesus said that the Samaritan had compassion on him. We too need to have a heart of love and show compassion, but not just enough compassion to feel good about ourselves. This Samaritan, this good Samaritan, this good guy. He wasn't just a good guy. Samaritan does characterize where he was from, what people group, what culture he was from, and you look into the history there to see why the Jews despise them. But despite the fact, or, or aside from that, we see he had compassion on him. He lavishly poured out on him. He didn't just go over and, hey, you okay, good, and walk away. No, it says he went over there and he... He took care of the guy's wounds. He helped him up. Might not even have helped him up. I mean, he was left for dead. He might have had to lift him up with all his strength, put him on his animal, it says, his donkey or whatever he had, and then he took him to the inn. So again, he could have just took care of his wounds and said, hey, hope you get home okay. Probably not. But no, he took him all the way to the inn. But then he didn't just drop him off at the doorstep either. He took him into the inn. He paid the innkeeper out of his own money. And most likely, he even stayed the whole day or night with him, as he said, it says, on the next day. And then to go even beyond that, he paid the innkeeper enough, two denarius, to, to, which would basically be two days' wages. And they, I found one study that said they once found a sign from the Roman day and age which showed the rate for how much one board and room would be for one night. And I think it was John MacArthur had said that it could have been enough money to pay for up to two months of room and board. But even with that, it tells us that the Good Samaritan said, and if you need more money, I will repay you when I return. That man must have been really hurt. And yet this Good Samaritan didn't do just enough to make himself feel good or to get by or to... to push aside any guilty conscience he had as he walked by, he lavishly poured out in compassion. Number four, <clears throat> and the final one, is have caring hands. Luke ten thirty four, we read that the good Samaritan ministered to the victim of the mugging, saying, 
he bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He went to him and bound up his wounds. I wrote that down twice, pouring on oil and wine. Guess you need to know that. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. You see, caring hands, having caring hands is timely. Having caring hands is costly. It may cost money. Having caring hands may also require commitment. This man had full commitment, though. And as we conclude, I want you to think there's only one man that's ever walked this earth that had total commitment and that spent the total amount needed to save us. Yes, that cost was timely. Yes, that cost was hard. Yes, that cost took a life. But Jesus himself, being the one representative that was fully able to truly show all neighbors how much he cared and loved them as he loved himself, God shows us his love, and yet, that, yet while we are still sinners, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. The one who died on that cross was Jesus. He's the only one who can truly ever, 100% of the time, love God with all heart, strength, mind, everything, and love neighbor as himself. This is who we strive to be like. But we must first see that that's not the way to eternal life. That's not the way to salvation. We must plead with God for his mercy and say, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please help me. Lord, please save me and help me to be more like your son, Jesus, every day. This is the ultimate display of love, a perfect Samaritan. He cared when caring was expensive. He cared when caring took time. He cared when it took a total commitment. Our hurt and sin was enormous, but on the cross, he took it all upon himself. What are you going to take upon yourself today? What are you going to take upon yourself this week? Will we be the priest and the Levite? Will we be the Samaritan? Will we be the lawyer who just keeps asking questions, but won't just fall down on our knees at the feet of Christ and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. As we close, I just want you to think about these two final applications. One, do you know Jesus? And two, go and do likewise. That's what he told that lawyer, the master of God's word. You can know all of God's law, but it doesn't mean you're saved. You must bow before the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, and ask him to come into your life to save you. Repent of your sins and follow after him. And then secondly, the one was, do you know Jesus? And number two, go and do likewise. Care for a neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Everybody's your neighbor. But don't spend so much time getting overwhelmed with the everybody or trying to think about who is that neighbor that you're being called to speak to, to help, to share the good news of God with, that you fail to tell anybody. Pick somebody and just show them the love of God. Show them the way to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Let's pray as the worship team comes up to close us. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these parables, these short stories based upon your, wi your wisdom to help us to see the kingdom of God's salvation and kingdom living. May we live each day with you in our life, looking to you and not to ourselves, and not just seeing these stories as inspiring stories of kindness, but looking to our own lives, pointing the finger at ourselves, and thinking, how might we be more like your son, Jesus? Amen. Amen. You can rise, and uh, we're going to do a newer song. This is the song of the month, Battle Belongs, and this is
just a great 